now is the time if you've never invested in oil and gas now is the time to at least try you know our minimum is five thousand dollars or not just with us there's other companies as well there's mineral buying i mean they could do working interest investments with yourself i tell them you know we're a great team but there's others out there look around but you definitely should try from rocks exploration our family-owned small business this is rocks energy a show about the oil and gas industry as we live it and breathe it each day. I'm Adam Oxen. Let's get on with the show. Jeff, thanks for joining us on the Rocks Energy Podcast. Excited to have you on here. Thank you. Thank you. You're a playmaker, man. A young guy in the oil business doing big things. I like what your company's doing. Uh, looking for working interest owners through the internet. It's very similar to what we do. Yeah. And uh, that's the future for sure. So I don't know if that was your idea or somebody else's at the company, but that's the way to do it. And your website also. I just went to your website this morning. Oh, yeah. Really good. Thanks, man. Did, yeah. Did you do that? We put that like, all, man, like we make everything it? here in house. Yeah. Like, uh, I like that. We get our hands into everything from, I mean, all of it. Like I said, you know, we're, it's, it's all family in the office and, you know, we've, we don't we don't kill each other, so <laughs> we yeah. all still got good relationships. Did you say so you only get... you only have brothers, or you have sisters as well? I do have a sister as well, but my two brothers work here in the office with me. Like I said Kevin's a land man, Mark's a petroleum engineer, and uh, yeah, we we get into all of it. So yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. That's kind. I mean, you guys, Energy Funders, is you guys are doing some really cool things. You know, with like you said, you guys offer. Uh, direct investments in oil and gas wells. So we'll talk about that definitely for sure. And now you guys are getting into a Bitcoin mining fund. So definitely want to talk about that as well. But before we get to those things, before we get to the energy funders, like where Jeff came into that, let's start like, like, it seems like you're a really entrepreneurial guy. Like I saw you had your own gym. You told me before this, like that you actually had a barber shop as well. Like, and by, like did you do the whole, like, are you a barber? Are you a trained barber? No. I've never cut anybody's hair. In fact, I'm so bad at it. One time in college, my roommate asked me to edge up like the back of his neck and I totally messed up and ruined it. Like I (laughs) murdered the back of his neck. He was not happy. But uh, no, that was an opportunity where uh, I had gotten my hair cut by the same guy for years and he became a good friend of mine. It was family, his wife and his kids. And he was so good. And the barbershop he worked at was terrible. Mm. And I say, dude, let's just, you should just start your own barbershop. And so he started it and then he eventually needed some financial help. And so I was like, well, bring me in as a controlling interest, 51%. And uh, we had a nice little contract and agreement and he did all the cutting. I did all the hiring, firing and, and like vision. Yeah. As long as he was cutting hair, we were making money. And we did a lot of unique pivots as a barber shop, and it, it ended up, it, it ended, but it was a really ex- good experience. I was very young. It was the first of many lessons in my career as uh, owning a business and uh, but I, I really love it. It's a long story. I could have a whole podcast on that one story, but it was Dude, that's awesome. No, that's great. I mean, mm-hmm. I love that you saying like you learned so much from it. I think you learned so much. Like you can read about these things or like you can tell me about that experience. But the fact that you did it, like like you just like you learned so much from taking the action of actually going and like not just reading or dreaming about or watching some story about someone doing it. You did it. And that just like you said, it's that's it's right. formative. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I read a lot of you know businessmen, autobiographies, and just successful, unique people, and, and I'm always fascinated by people that can create something. And there's no perfect time. You don't get the perfect degree. I mean, how many people get a degree in something and they go out into the workforce and have to relearn everything? Right. You know, it's almost like a new degree. So for me, I didn't have any business experience really. I didn't have a degree. My degree was in geology, 
And, but I've always been business minded and I just ended up getting a technical degree. And I thought, you know, business is business, money in, money out. And I wanted to take a jump. I wanted to do something. I'm somebody who can't like sit around, you know? So yeah. after work every day, after work every single day, I would go down, our barbershop was in Memorial City Mall area. And I would drive there and, and work there and make sure everything was going well. We were voted best barbershop in Houston nice. by the Houston Press. I was very proud of that. And um, uh, yeah, it was unique. So it was just me. And, and this probably hurts me in a lot of ways too. I just jumped in. I'm like, all right, we'll figure it out. You know, let's just do, let's just go. Right. And along the way, you know, you figure things out. Nothing's perfect and nothing, any plan definitely has deviations. So. That's funny you said that about jumping in. I saw a uh, a meme the other day. Some guy was like, "If you're taking like multiple advice in the tech industry," and I was like, "One guy's one guy's tweet was like, speed is the ultimate thing. Just get started and go." And the other guy's yeah. tweet was like, "Slow down and make a plan." <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So I think there's pluses and minuses. But like like you said, that that experience is 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 priceless. You made me think while you were saying that. Another guy I'm a fan of, Naval. He says uh, you shouldn't go to business school. He's like, if you want to learn business, start a business. Go work in a business. There's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said for that. A lot. Yeah. So you did that, and then you've also owned a gym, your own operating company. Like how? I do not own an operating company. No, 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 no. No, Not an operating company. I started an exploration company. Exploration um, company with an amazing uh, geologist named Mike Jones, and we shot a 60 square mile 3D uh, during the downturn. It was one of these times once again where you read about it in books and then the time is in front of you. It's like, oh, what was that 2016? And oil was $23 a barrel. And being the petroleum club, people were like crying. And like, it was just a terrible time. And private equity companies, there was like 500 bankruptcies and smash codes at that time. And that was the first mini downturn to what, you know, was the biggest downturn uh, just uh, two years ago. But I said, okay, uh, let's put a deal together. There has to be some people out there that have balls and the cash to see the value here. Um, And our idea was services are gonna be really low are really cheap. So let's go and shoot a 3D in a new area that's low risk drilling, where we know we can have multiple prospects. And my pitch was, hey, oil's $28 today. By the time we drill our first well, it will be 55. And it ended up being 65. Um, so uh, it was it was really good. We've, we're drilling on it right now. We just completed a well on that 3D. We're about to drill another one. We only have 7% left. So if somebody wants to buy it. Is this through, is that an energy funders deal or is that through? No, I've only been with energy funders since uh, middle of last year. So no, no, no. This is, I I started this in 2016. This is my own personal business and we we have investors and uh, I've also drilled a lot of other wells throughout the Gulf Coast. And I came online with energy funders here. Laura's a good friend of mine. I trust her completely uh she's extremely smart and i need smart people around me oh yeah sure we all do and the vision it's like for me for me i have a vision i can't just go work for something like i have to agree with like what are we doing what is our main goal and our main goal at energy funders is to democratize investing for oil and gas which i truly believe in uh it shouldn't be a small group of people that can invest at the wellhead i think anybody should have access to click and invest at the wellhead just like they can a mutual fund or Bitcoin, real estate, yeah, real estate, anything. So I think the vision is there. We've excelled in our first fund, the yield fund, which we're drilling four out of four. Uh, that ended in the 31st of last year. This year, we're raising money for the Wildcat fund and a Bitcoin fund. And we're really killing it. Our team is very unique. Shout out to everybody at Energy Funders. And our investors really enjoying their time because we also do a lot of education. That's great. We don't want people to just be a passive investor. We want them to really feel the oil industry. I don't know if you've seen some of the videos I've put out, but I like talking about your investment isn't just making you money, but it's helping our entire world economy. 
run, which yeah. is evident today, right? What's going on in the yeah. economy and, and the world. So you need oil and gas. Absolutely. Man, that's so cool. I love that. So a couple of things you mentioned there. You mentioned the yield fund. You mentioned the wildcatter fund. You mentioned the Bitcoin fund. Is the yield fund, is this where you guys are going in and you're acquiring maybe PDP or you're going in drilling in, what, what's the difference there? Break them down. The yield versus the wildcatter. The yield fund was our first fund and we wanted to kind of spread our, our investors' money around and not do anything too risky. So on, it was a split 50-50 between Bitcoin mining on stranded natural gas and, and oil and gas. On the oil and gas side, that was split up between buying production and drilling very low-risk PUDs. We didn't want to drill anything too risky. And we were able to, we have a, a great prospect portfolio we've been drilling on. Uh, our investors get the unique, you know, uh, intangible, intangible tax benefits. And their money is kind of in both crypto Bitcoin specifically, and the oil and gas side. Now, a lot of them are enjoying our current success in that fund and are now investing in our yield fund, or, or sorry, our wildcat fund, because they like our transparency, our communication, and our success. And prices are, I mean, how can you, you know, it's really funny when we started raising money for that yield fund, oil was 55, it was like hovering around 55, 60, and we were telling them it's going to be 100, going to be 100, even though we make money at 55. I mean, that's a great right. number for everybody, I think. Now we look like geniuses because they're like, we get emails and phone calls like, it's over a hundred or like, you guys right. are right. Like, give, yeah. you know, here's more of my money. So uh, it's, it's smart to take advantage of these historic prices. When I, what I like to tell people is throughout your lifetime, you will see different cycles, whether it's real estate, stock market, oil and gas. Now is the time, if you've never invested in oil and gas, now is the time to at least try. You know, our minimum is $5,000. Or, or not just with us, there's other companies as well. There's mineral buying. I mean, you, we could do, they could do working interest investments with yourself. I tell them, you know, we're a great team, but there's others out there. Look around, but you definitely should yeah. try. And I, don't, and I don't think buying publicly traded stocks for oil and gas is really going to get you the bigger return, right? I don't think those stocks currently, at least, have been tracking the crazy amount of, of uh, oil and gas prices. But in, being at the wellhead where you get that mailbox money, and you are selling at today's price, that's how you win, I, I think. And you leverage those tax incentives as well, right? Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I want to talk about that in a minute, but I totally agree with you. Like what you're saying, like the opportunity right now, we're moving through this cycle of where, where oil is going to be, you know, just the way it is with supplies, where they are. I mean, what's going on yeah. in the world? There's a lot of opportunity there. And I think what we always try and talk to with potential investors is just you have to think about this as you're going to start doing this in a methodical way. You're not just going to get in one well and hope that well is end all be all. You need to come in with a strategy and a plan and understand that you're going to, you're not going to invest all of your dry powder in one deal. You're going to put a little bit in each one. You're going to diversify over these wells. And, you, you know, if we're drilling good wells, you know, over the, the span of your investments, it's going to do well. And so let's, let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned, you know, the intangibles, the tangibles, tax write-offs on like these deals. Talk a little bit about that. And like when you're talking to, say you're talking to an investor or potential investor in your fund that's going, I've never done this before. What do you say to them? What do you tell them about those tax incentives? The oil and gas industry was awarded these amazing tax incentives in the 70s. If you remember the history of our industry and there was a pretty chaotic time for oil and gas in America. So the government allowed independent drillers like you and myself to take these tax advantages because they wanted us to drill more. We were at a time where America needed more oil and gas. I don't know if that sounds familiar right now, but <laughs> not at um, all, <laughs> right? 
So <laughs> money is so capital intense. There's no riskier, more capital intense business than oil and gas, period. You're putting money down a hole and it might not come back. So that money that you're spending to drill that well is split between the tangible and intangible drilling costs. Whether something is, is tangible, like you can hold it like a, a hose or uh, and then an intangible, uh, something just like the cost of labor. So you get to write those costs off when you are an active participant, like a working interest owner. And that's what we offer here. I think you offer as well, yeah. um, a working interest owner. So you that's how you have to get those tax advantages. And most of our investors want those tax advantages. So, you know, at Energy Funders, you're putting, we're putting in the Wildcat Fund is 100% oil and gas exploration. We're not buying production necessarily. So most of the money you give us is going straight to those tangible and tangible drilling costs. And that's where you get those big tax write-offs. So the year that we drill those wells, like your K-1s, will see those uh, reflected tax breaks. And then the, hopefully, of course, the following year, we are making a profit from producing those wells. Yeah, no, that's great. Thanks for that overview. And so like thinking about, um, no, sorry, I want to come back to the Wildcatter Fund. Like, are you guys doing anything? Are you strictly vertical wells? Are you guys doing any laterals? What are you? We're uh, kind of agnostic. We won't drill a horizontal shale gas well or oil. We won't. We want to stay away from shale. But if it was horizontal, it would have to be a field development. It would be either in a sand or a carbonate. It wouldn't be a new well. So maybe, you know, we would, we would definitely need analogs or, or some kind of data that really makes us comfortable. The problem is capital, right? We don't want to drill a well and then it costs, you know, $4 million and then, oh, we have to put another two in it, you know, or our drop-off is so intense. Granted, at these prices, things are nice, but that's why I think horizontal wells have made leaps and bounds in field development. Taking an old field, I mean, they're doing it. Um, Frostwood was a great, great example. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Down here in Texas, they were drilling in the uh, really shallow oil sands and carbonates and, and doing really well. I don't know exactly where those, that company is doing today, but they had a good run of it. And I knew a lot of those uh, geos and, and engineers over there. Energy Funders mostly wants to drill vertical wells. We like the tried and true vertical wells. We like extremely detailed subsurface mapping, which is rare these days. An analog, of course, seismic if we can get it. And with a team of experience, we don't drill you know, a green thumbs well. We need people with experience in that area. And uh, we're not specific to any one area like we'll go in kansas we'll go anywhere as long as it looks good and the, the potential for a return is there and sound right when you guys call it a wildcatters fund it it's, sounds nice wildcatters yeah. is a cool word but you're not wildcatting at all like you guys are doing some some really good geology you're doing some really good like you said you're gonna have seismic you're knowing like we're going here our risk of not hitting this zone is very low like you're not doing a true old, old school Wildcat. I'm not doing this. Maybe. <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> right. But yeah, we might drill a very, when we say Wildcat, yeah, it's somewhat marketing. It's a fun word. You know, it's tr the old school oil and gas vision. We might drill something that's deep and expensive. You know, a Wildcat, we definitely still want an analog. We're not going to just go drill something in a random area with nothing there. That's not for us. But we're going to. But you want your control wells. Oh, you want to know. For sure. For sure. Good subsurface geology, like you said. Yeah. Like, you guys are, you're not just totally going out and wildcatting. So, but you still, again, your fund, you're giving it 100% on the wildcatters to development. So more risk there than when you're going and buying production, sure. like in the yield fund. For sure. Yeah. Very cool. So let's go back a little bit. Like we've been talking about energy funders. What was it like? Like you mentioned, like you work for energy funders, you do business development there and 
and, and bring all your expertise. But then you also have your uh, exploration company with your partner where you guys do like the San Patricio, mm-hmm. did I say yeah, San, San Patricio. Patricio County yeah. deal? Like that, you mentioned that. What was that like the first time you went out like to raise money for that deal? Like when you're going out and saying, hey, I've been running this barbershop and now we got the exploration company and we got to go do this deal. I, uh, I didn't like? tell them about the, bar- the barbershop or the gym. They didn't need to know that. <laughs> But yeah, it was juggling quite a lot. And mostly it was juggling a dream. I've always wanted to own my own business on a bigger scale. And it was not pressure in a negative way. It was excitement of like, you know, startup and all these things we listen and talk about and then glorify. So Mike and I got to that beautiful place where, you know, it was actually very easy day one. So Mike and I got wasted at the Petroleum Club, shook hands, figured out our agreement, what we wanted to do, how our focus, what our attack was going to be. Mike is an extremely brilliant geoscientist. There's not many people like him that can can find opportunities like he does when it comes to this detailed subsurface mapping and understand the area. He's been an independent straight out of college, an Aggie guy. Don't hold it against him, but he's a good dude. And what I knew is he's better than me at that. And I really had to own what are my skills? Like, yes, I understand geology and geophysics and 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 the business as a whole, but the business I was working for before, their model was, hey, we're going to shoot a 3D, drill some wells and sell it. Like it was just 3D flip. And I was like, I know that really well. Let's go do that. I know a bunch of contacts. Let me call them. So I called all of my contacts that I thought would say, yes, of course. And they all said no, except for one who took about like 30%. And I was like, this is gonna be so easy. We're gonna, we already raised 30% in like a week. This is easy. And then it took 360 days <laughs> to get the rest of the six right. million. And it was basically cold calling. I think one of the my few skills is I don't have any fear. I'm not like, intimidated by anybody. So I would just Google oil and gas company, like if in Dallas, Texas, San Antonio, Austin, and straight up call a secretary and say, hey, Jim Bob in Houston told me I need to come by and show you this project. I'm going to be down there. And I have only have free time between 2 and 3.30. Can I just step in here? And even though none of that was true, they would say, they'd say, yeah, okay, yeah, let me tell whomever. And I'm also on the board of the Petroleum Club, so that helped quite a bit to get into certain doors if I was sending an email or talking to somebody. And Because uh, a lot of it comes down to just getting in the door, just getting in front of somebody. And that's so difficult. And the most people, naturally, we as people just are more non-confrontational. But it was definitely a testament. Um, I had used all of my savings. It was like that dire moment where you're like, no, this isn't going to work out. And then boom. <laughs> The, the right. day uh, before my birthday, actually, uh, my birthday is May 26th. And the, the day before my birthday that year, we, we signed all the paper and got uh, got the money in the bank account. And then the hard part of uh, now I have to deliver. So that was different because we were specifically going for oil and gas people. So they know the business. right? But in energy funders, the difference, the biggest difference and takeaway is we're talking to mostly people that are not in industry and have never been in the industry. So all they know is the negative perception of the media, the high risk, but they're also intrigued by the potential return. Like everybody in the world has heard oil money, right? So like mailbox money. And so it's something that is more fun for me because I like communicating more complex ideas, maybe in a more simple way. I think communication is important in every relationship and in any facet of life. And I really get excited when they start learning and getting excited about the industry. I just shot a video. We drilled a well off uh, I-45 North right near Huntsville. Like the highway is right next to the well. Like the cars are going by. Right. And I, we sent out this to our investors and saying, you know, thank you. This is another one of your discoveries. We showed them the well log and we say, this 
is helping. You are not just making money. This is helping all this commerce, like billions of dollars on this highway uh, throughout America every day. Like you are not just making, uh, like if you were investing in real estate, somebody's living there, that's great. But this is the molecule that runs the world. And, and I get so many emails and phone calls about how much they like that video. And it really starts clicking and their wheels start turning. And it also, for me, passionately, I like being a helping hand to disseminate some of this uh, negativity that's out there in our industry. So if I can get somebody who might have been negative before or buying into the media's perception of our industry, and now they can at least be in the middle, maybe not all the way on our side, but now right, they, right. Have a, they have more experience of like, geez, well, maybe they're not all terrible people that want to destroy the world, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I love that you guys are doing that because there is that side. Hey, it's Adam here. I wanted to tell you more about Rocks Exploration. At Rocks, we drill, complete, and operate oil and gas wells right here in Oklahoma. What does that mean? That means we make money through the drill bit by drilling for and producing oil and gas. But we also make money for our working interest partners. What's a working interest partner? That's an individual or small business that invests in an oil and gas well. It's not unlike a real estate investment. You see, drilling a well is extremely costly from geology to land to legal to drilling and completion and production. It takes a lot of time, resources, and people. Rocks takes care of all of that, and our working interest partners align with us to take advantage of our expertise and experience. Each drilling project brings together tax write-offs and potentially high ROIs. So if you're interested in learning more about Rocks Exploration and our drilling projects, head to rocks.energy. That's www.rox.energy to find out more. That education side of it, that's like our industry, the oil and gas industry has not done a good job of communicating oh, right. totally. what we do. And I love that it's starting, like it's not going to come from like, the majors or the publicly traded companies, right? It's right. going to come from like what, what you guys are doing, like this grassroots, small independent operators, putting stories out there, putting out content and letting people know, Hey, like we help provide, like you think of these, you know, like in Oklahoma city, the Devon tower or whatever, mm -hmm. like you think about that's oil and gas, but it's really like, we're on main street also. Like, you know, we're a family office across from your dentist, you know, yeah. or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I think you're right. Like, People haven't thought about it, but now we're in this opportunity where it's on everybody's mind every day. It's in the news cycle, not so much on just the negative, but like, oh man, we're in a tight spot here. And then people start to ask, wow, I didn't realize this was so important to my daily life. I didn't realize I need natural gas to power up this guy right yeah, here. Right. Like, I thought it just magically came out of the wall socket. Right. Like, so. That's so cool that you guys are doing that. I love that. And uh, I have seen some of the videos and some of the stuff you guys are producing. So great job there and keep it up for sure. But about um, like the Bitcoin mining fund, like I didn't realize this. You mentioned, I guess the yield fund had a little bit of Bitcoin mining in it too. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Our, so you guys have been, how long have you guys been mining? Well, that was the idea in, in last year. So it had, we hadn't only started mining until this year. So uh, I think February 1, I want to say, are they arrived in the warehouse in San Antonio and have been hooked up. We haven't had them hooked up. You know, you have to test them and go through that whole process. So they're in our warehouse. We just had a, another 200 and something computer show up the other day. And so if you check Laura's Twitter or 
LinkedIn or Instagram, you'll see the videos of them being unwrapped and being hooked up to be tested before they go out to the to the well site. And so what we have uniquely is stranded natural gas. Some people use flared, some people are on grid. I'm completely against being on grid. I think you have to be off grid. And uh, I also worry about you know, municipalities and federal governments somehow regulating people that are on grid or just outright banning it. But being in a stranded natural gas, we have a dedicated power source. We have plenty of stranded natural gas. Basically, that means there's a wellhead with gas that you can just think about turning on and off, but it didn't produce enough to warrant the capital expense to build a pipeline to the market. So it's just sitting there, whereas we've just turned that into an income producing property. So these are on a private ranch in Texas, right near San Antonio, about an hour south. And we are able to go on there and uh, build our, our, our containers and put our, uh, we, I mean, we can put as many as we want. We have a lot of, of power potential. So in that space of Bitcoin, you'll see people that want to be in it. Great. You see people that either have the mines but no power source. You'll see the people that have the power source and, and no mines. And you have the people that have the money. You have some people that are looking for the money. So it's a really wild, wild west feeling almost. And we're very lucky that not only do we have the, the capital, we have the power source. And we're just really the only thing holding us back, honestly, is the time it takes to procure all the equipment you need because of the obvious logistic problems in America. So we're in a very unique space. And, and being off-grid on natural gas allows us uh, to have a really low overhead, uh, really low price per kilowatt. And that's why I think our returns in, are potentially better than some competitors, specifically people that are on-grid. Yeah, that's awesome. So do you guys, when you're building out like your infrastructure on those, I mean, are you bringing everything to like a centralized spot on the... I guess you said you're at the ranch. Yeah, but are you it's like, right. Or are you like containers like right at the wellhead? Yes, or, it's right next to it. These... You can just throw a little stone at it. I mean, it's it's right next to it. We have the gener- the, the wellhead, the generator, the mines, and the container. They're all right there. Yeah. And these are the S19s, S19 Pros, the uh, submersible ones. Yeah. Did you guys go straight to the submersion or did you test out? Like I've talked to different operators and they're like, stay away from submersion. And then others that are like, only use fans. And then some people yeah. are like, no, don't use fans. It's terrible. Only use submersion. I'm like, you're always, you you're, just... you're always going to get different opinions, which is good. I don't think there's ever a time where everybody has the exact same opinion. But the reason is Texas gets super hot, super humid. Fans are good for other reasons and submersibles are good for other reasons. But we went with those just because we want the best equipment. We want to be able to overclock them. And the way our fund works is it's a time period. It's a three to five year um, fund. So at that time it closes, you can reinvest or partially reinvest or take all your winnings home. But we wanted to be able to have the highest rate possible, hash rate possible. And from what we've seen, uh, you can only achieve that with submersible, at least in our environment. Gotcha. So you guys are overclocking the S19s also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's that look like? Are you able to like 2X that? One and a half X it? What's the... Right now, I, I, I don't want to speak to that. I'm not actually privy to all the Bitcoin details. I'm more on the oil and gas team. Yeah, yeah. But it's I'll just say it's looking really good. That's all I know. That's awesome. Uh, and That's uh, great. maybe if you get Laura on here, she can go uh, all the way in on the Bitcoin side. Yeah. But things are I think are you told exciting. me that. Yeah. When, when we ran in, down at uh, at the Hilton bar, yeah. you were like, that was Laura so fun, is the Bitcoin the nerd. Thank you for pulling me aside and saying hi. I mean, I was on a mission to get out of there. I, but it was so nice that we connected. That's what NAPE is for, really. I, I could care less about the, oh, yeah. the actual George R. Brown Convention Center. It's just being at the bars and seeing people and meeting people like you. I'm always interested in knowing 
who's that young guy over there? Like, why is he in our industry and why is he so young? Like, what's his story? Yeah. What, what do you see there? Uh, what, I mean, you know, we talk about labor and talent issues. I mean, all up and down, I think you can go pretty much from the field all the way up to the C-suite, right? But like, what do you, what do you see in there? What are the trends or what are some of the remedies? What are you thinking? I don't know what the remedies are because I think we're in a really unique situation that's never happened before where universities aren't able to push kids into exploration oil, oil field. So whether that's on the engineering side, on the physics side, the geology side, they want more environmental. So those envir- all the money, a lot of the money is going towards creating these environmental uh, degrees and focusing on that, which can be helpful in oil fields as well. But right now we definitely, I don't know what the remedy is. I actually think about that quite often. We do have some people coming back to the industry, which is good. But I'll tell you on our wells, you know, there's a real labor shortage so much that our drivers that come and pick up our oil are late sometimes or miss. And these companies, you call them, it's not like you can just get another company. They're all having the same problem. They can't find drivers. Right. And, you know, those are solid jobs. I mean, they pay well for, you know, for that kind of work. And you're just seeing that across the board. And that this last exodus has been really detrimental to the industry. These people that have left uh, in the last three years, I don't know how many are going to come back. We're seeing some of them, but man, it's hard. I hope that because of the economic situation we're in, they rethink their decision to leave for good. And and if there's a job, they'll take it because we definitely need the help. But that also creates a vacuum of opportunity for people like you and I. I think that was your, wasn't that your LinkedIn post the other day uh, about opportunity? I think that's uh, what we see here. Well, I think... The, the world right now, like we've talked about this unique situation, like we've seen, especially over the last two years, these SaaS companies, their valuations just go through the roof and they have, you know, they, for some legitimate reasons, but also like software in itself, like you actually have to have, you know, there's a lot of labor there to build mm-hmm. those things. Right. But one of the great things about software is they can leverage that labor to have incredible multiple like returns on that amount of labor. Whereas when you're in like an oil field and you need a truck driven and you need a driver, you need that driver to show up and hook up to the tanks and pull the oil off of it. Or you're having somebody come haul salt water or pull bottoms or whatever. You have to have that. You have to have that asset. You have to have that physical person there and do that work. Like maybe there's a world in the future where some of that can be automated by technology and some things, but like the real world moves on, like Google has to have actual servers sitting somewhere, right? right. To run, right. they're part of the internet. Like for the, the level that we as a country and as a world want to live, like you have to have real hard assets in place that produce the energy. And that's at the wellhead, all the way to the processing plant, all the way downstream to the service station and the, the manufacturers who are taking all those different, you know, hydrocarbons, petrochemicals, and turning that into products. So I think like that kind of goes back to what we've talked about, about the education opportunity, but it's also just a time where people have to realize like, oh, like for the world to work, like you have to do work. Yes. It takes You can't sit on the couch and let the government send you checks. It doesn't work. Right. You You can't just print money and everybody's happy. And so I think that's where I think you know, we have to think about what we're really willing to pay for energy. And that's going to come down to like, you know, I've, I've really been focusing on, like you said, on social media, like the price of oil is 
is incredibly undervalued. Where it's at, I mean, we're still not at all-time highs. I mean, 08 is all-time highs, inflation adjusted, and we're not even close to that right now. But just thinking about like what we're willing to pay for energy, that's going to factor into the labor side. Yes. Like if people aren't going to go work in an industry where you tell them they're evil and they're ruining the planet, which is the exact opposite of what is true. They're providing energy for your lifestyle and how you live and the platforms that you get on to express those opinions. It's powered by those people doing those jobs. So I think we're going to have to, I don't know how this plays out. I mean, I get, I like to get like, think big and like, is this, what is this going to look like globally and then nationally and then down to the state level and yeah. then the local level? I mean, I think that's going to play out. You're going to see capital move. I think you're going to see people move. I think you're going to see companies move. Which we're already seeing, right? Right. The The downside to that is when you have locations, you know, like California, where there's a lot of hydrocarbons there, but they're so against it. I mean, you can't relocate where those hydrocarbons are, right? Like in the earth, like that's one of the downsides of this. You can't just go get natural gas and crude oil out of the ground anywhere. Like it's very specific where you can get that. So whereas like if you're building a blockchain company, you can decide, okay, well, you know, Wyoming is really, or Florida is, mm -hmm. they're, they're on game here. We're going to move our company there, you know, from the state that's against it. I mean, you can do that because you can, work remotely. You can't outsource your hydrocarbon <laughs> development. You know what I mean? That's a really good point. But that message that you just said, that, that's a, not many people understand that. Well, I think that's one of our, that's something we've got to talk about. And and I think you guys are doing a good job of letting people know, like, this is the opportunity, but this is also the, the bottleneck. Like, this is where you can produce these. So, hey, I want to talk about one thing you mentioned a little bit ago, like being a part of the Petroleum Club. Mm-hmm. And I think Sipes, you mentioned them, like, how'd you get involved there? And what's that like? Uh, I've been a member of the petroleum. I'm a second generation oil guy. So my dad is a geophysicist and uh, had his own oil company for a long time. I grew up in it sliding logs since I was a little kid, very familiar with the industry, luckily able to have my own success and leverage that education I had since I was a child. And uh, so I've, I've been running around the petroleum club since I was a little kid. It's, it's in uh, downtown Houston here. And I'm on the executive board there and was also still am current president of the Young Professionals Association, because just like how I am as a person, if, if I really am passionate about something, or I don't want to just be a part of it. I'm not something I can just usually sit back. I want to have more of an impact. And I do think that my impact is beneficial to organizations. And I'm really proud to be a part of the Petroleum Club. It's a good place to just have a whiskey, uh, smoke a cigar, and also be around like-minded people. I I've met some of my closest friends there now, some investors and uh, just generally we always want to be a part of something as people and i'm really proud to be a part of that i know there's one here in oklahoma city right yep there's a really nice petroleum club in oklahoma have you are you a member yeah yeah no it's a great club uh, similar like um we grew up going there for like birthday parties and stuff my grandfather is a geologist my father you know is a geologist and so yeah we've got a lot of great memories at the petroleum club which i think is cool that you you mentioned that and then the the potential for networking and and growing you know your your connections and just being around other like-minded people i mean i think that's those are really good points or what do you see there like like something like connecting on a linkedin or on twitter versus like connecting in a petroleum club really great point what what do you see there like what's are there different values are there different benefits are they all good are they equal or are they 
Do they have pluses and minuses? What do you see there? Yeah, they definitely have pluses and minuses. The way I see it is you might meet somebody on LinkedIn and that's when I would invite them if I like them. I'm like, hey, I would like to meet you in person. You know, there's still a lot to be said for that. I think LinkedIn or let's just say social media is a very good bridge or segue to meeting somebody in person. You know, I always say, let me buy you a drink. Let me take you to lunch. Let me get to know you a little bit more. And and how can I help you? I mean, we're in the same industry. The better you do, the better I do, the better everybody does. At the Petroleum Club, I don't go there necessarily in hopes to meet industry individuals because there's a lot of different businessmen at the Petroleum Club. Actually, the petroleum industry is actually um, becoming much smaller. We have a lot. Houston, as I'm sure you know, is a huge construction company and real estate uh, company um, behemoth of a city. So there's a lot of those individuals, but I just like to be around like-minded people. And then it just so happens you get to know them on a different level and you trust them, you see what they do. And then you say like, I'm invested in a, a big real estate fund because of somebody who I'd seen there for years and they've become friends with. And I really, uh, a big part of my investing strategy is understanding the management team. And if I like who it is, everybody's going to have losses. But if I like who you are, over time, you're going to do well. I'm very thankful that the real estate deal has done, gone extremely well for me. And that I wouldn't have that intimate of a knowledge of the company if it wasn't for knowing him at the Petroleum Club. So I love social media. I think it's vital. There's a lot of ups and downs. Everybody hates it at the same time, but everybody uses it. Right. Uh, I think if you block it out of your life, good for you if you can afford to do that. But in our our industry, you can't really afford to do that. And it's a great way to meet people and get your voice out there and to listen to other voices and know what people are doing. Sitesyouston.org, uh, that's a website. I was the past chairman of that company. I've also been on the national board. It's a national organization with chapters all over. There's actually one in Oklahoma City. And it's a group of entrepreneurs in oil and gas. It's all about ethics. It's been around 74 years. And it, way back in the day, your grandfather and father remember this. People were peddling prospects out of their briefcase everywhere, right? They were like, hey, drill here. Give me your money. That's where we got the reputation of a lot of snake oil salesmen, you know, swindlers and stuff right. like that. So Sipes was born as a very unique, quiet, exclusive organization that is very hard to be a part of. And if you were a member and if you were a prospector, you would get a stamp and you'd be able to stamp your Sipes member number and seal on your prospect. So if I was walking around, let's say Nape. And there's a hundred prospects, but one of them has a seal of a site number. I know it was hard to get that seal and he's a man of his ethics. So whether it's a dry hole or not, if it is a dry hole, it's not because of something nefarious and he's not going to run off with my money. He's not going to, you know, overcharge on the jib or anything like that. So we're very, very proud to be members of Sipes. And that's usually where I raise all my money. Out of the $6 million we raised, 80% of it came from Sipes members. So we were uh, really lucky in that. And I still, to this day, I mean, we have the deal buyers list, which is an actual list that's updated every year of people that actually buy deals. They're not just like the secretary's number. It's the person that makes the decisions. It's uh, broken up by, you know, what they're interested in, what areas they're in, you know, all that information. That's the number one reason people like to be a member. We also host the deal buyers event, which is like a mini NAEP. Because personally, I'm sick of NAEP. And we wanted to bring people in a room and we wanted to curate the prospects. So we have a, our board goes ahead and, and decides which prospects we think should be there. It's invite only as an event. There's no service companies. And so, you know, the people in there in that room are going to be doers. I like to be around doers, not people that complain or just talk. So 
sites host monthly luncheons. We've had immense amount of speakers. David Ramson Wood came. Yeah. Uh, we have like Mark P. Mills, ton of different people that come and speak about our vision because we like to once again be educational and let people know we're not an organization like APG or HCS that wants to talk transitioning and ESG and all this other stuff and bow down to these people. Uh, we're very strong in our stance and very proud to be on the right side of history. And we just want to promote people that want to drill wells. I mean, we, we just want to make money and have a fun time doing it and cut out all the BS and PC stuff you have to deal with. So we're a very unique organization in that, in that regard. And we have a chili cook-off coming up which will be fun. My chili will be there. Awesome, man. Have you come up and have you spoken at the Oklahoma City Sipes? I have been there for years. I never spoke there. I speak at the Petroleum Club of Houston often. I've spoken at the Dallas Club, but no, I, I've never, yeah, never they, been there. I need to have you up here. And, Are you, and you remember the they, Sipes they chapter up there? Uh, Russ is. Okay. Russ is. Fantastic. I, now, like you're, you're selling Houston so good. I'm like, man, I need to actually join as a member. Like, this is great. Like, I will say Houston is the best chapter because we're the most active. We have the most members and we, we I mean, right. we, we just do a lot of stuff, you know, we're very active. So a lot of other chapters are good, but they're either smaller or don't get together as often. Yeah, but I love, I mean, your passion and what you're talking about, like being wearing right on your sleeve, like, like we're gonna explore, we're gonna find geology, we're going for hydrocarbons, and none of the PC words, like this is who we are. If you wanna be a part of it, join up. I love that, that's great, that's so cool. And I love hearing your passion for it. I mean, it comes across like totally, so love it. Man, this has been, I feel like we could do this for God, another couple hours. I like, agree. I, too bad we have jobs, like we, right? We, too, <laughs> we need to go achieve other things. But Jeff, this has been an awesome conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I feel like we could go on for a while, but we got to wrap up. We got we got things to get to. Tell people where to go to find out more about you and Energy Energy Funders. Energyfunders.com. There's a lot of information on the website. There's a webinar on there as well. You can listen to to learn more and to meet our team members. You can find my LinkedIn and the LinkedIn of all of our employees on that website. Also, SipesHouston.org is the organization I was talking about for prospectors and investing in oil and gas wells and just meeting more ethical people in the industry. And I'm also always at the Petroleum Club of Houston. So if you want a whiskey or a lunch, hit me up. Let's do it. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, if you enjoyed this show, please do us a big favor and leave a review in whatever podcast app you listen to or share with someone you think might enjoy this content. Thanks a lot for listening to Rocks Energy.